0: Hey everyone, this is Sharon Blinn from Captain Marvel, and you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, You I did it. A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh,
1: I love the movies.
0: Comedy and more from deep inside the Man Cave. Your host, Elias.
1: Sharon, welcome to the cave.
0: Thank you for having me in the cave.
1: <laughs> How are you? Uh, what's new with you?
0: Oh, this and that. Um, I'm just uh, cruising along, enjoying the ride of Captain Marvel and all those marvelous things <laughs> that have been going on lately.
1: Yeah. Uh, you've been busy uh, the last few years. You've done a lot of guest starring on hit TV shows, uh, The Detour, Shameless, Body of Proof, and of course now Captain Marvel, and we will talk about that. Yeah. Um, but I want the listeners to get to know you a little bit more about you. Uh, where are you originally from?
0: I was actually born in Florida and then New York City for thirty years. I consider myself a New Yorker. <laughs> um, still got my nine one seven phone number. <laughs> um, yeah, and that, that's definitely more my rhythm and vibe. And I'm I'm out here in LA also.
1: Yeah, how was it? At so growing, by, how by was close. it growing up in New York City?
0: um new york city is amazing and it was pretty much after high school so i was i kind of more grew up if you want to say in in florida and then okay. did other life growing up <laughs> the yeah. real growing up uh, in new york city and amazing new york is my favorite city on the planet yeah. it's, it's incredible uh,
1: yeah. growing up in florida uh who were you into as a kid
0: um, I have a twin sister and an older brother, and the three of us uh, have the blind Kid Love Bubble. And we did a lot of things together, like playing sports on the street and uh, watching cartoons and uh, uh, reading comic books in a friend of ours' garage on the next block over. <laughs> um, so just uh, really having fun and enjoying life and, you know. I also am a nerd, so I loved school, and so that's kind of maybe that's weird, but I don't know. Yeah. I really enjoyed my classes. No, something <laughs>
1: wrong with that. So, I, while you were, you know, while you were a kid growing up, did you like have any like, did you did you know you wanted to get into the acting world? Like, what did you want? No, to No, okay. I,
0: I did I. Funny. What do I want to be when I grow up? I, let's let's start with do I want to grow up? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know about that. Um, but uh, I actually didn't even consider acting ever. That was uh, my sister's. Actually, she's she was that she blazed that trail for us, um, and she's still doing that as well in New York. Um, I originally my original idea when I went to college actually was to be what I called a psychiatric architect. And uh, that was before the whole feng shui thing came into play. Mm -hmm. I wanted to basically design environments that were conducive of a healthy mental and emotional space. Mm -hmm. And uh, one semester of chemistry kind of took med school out of the picture for me (laughs) because there was no way I was going to do that for eight years uh, or more and then psychology it the i i just it, it whittled down eventually and then i was left with just architecture and i realized i didn't really have a passion for drawing like everyone else in the class just always had their sketchbooks out and they were actually really good at it and i was not and my passion really all that time has always been music and yeah that's the other thing growing up we played music and we took piano lessons and I played in bands in junior high and high school and all different instruments and stuff. So music has always been a huge passion of mine. And so music and culture in college, I decided I I wanted to find something that merged those two courses of study, and that was ethnomusicology. And I was at Barnard College, Columbia University, and they had a graduate department, actually, for that at Columbia University. So I designed my major in my third year uh, to get a BA in ethnomusicology. And I was the first Barnard graduate with a BA in ethnomusicology.
1: What was uh, some of the music that uh, inspired you and made you fall in love with music?
0: We found jazz through WLRN-FM Public Radio in Miami, Florida. Len Pace and Alice Day were the two people that we connected with. And we had our own little jazz combo also and starting with i mean my my dad loved 50 loves loves 50s music and stuff so we grew up listening to all kinds of stuff from uh Fats Domino and Chuck Berry and all that kind of stuff to um Loggins and Messina and then you know Chicago and the Spencer Davis Group yeah. and you know just all this full spectrum of music is just a huge part of our lives so it's just always been there and then we played music and we played music together and in school it was always just a huge part of my life, and and eventually part of my big dream was to have my own record company. Actually, oh, wow. to be like sort of a Barry Gordy type artist development, and I, that's what I always did. Even uh, I ended up working in the music business. I worked at Verve Records and Blue Note Records for some years, and uh, not officially doing A and R, but always doing it. Always in the clubs, and I knew all the music. I know all the musicians and putting people together like, oh, you're a songwriter and you need some songs. You two need to connect, you know, just always kind of being a producer in that way and and helping people kind of develop their not only their music and their career, their their art, but also their career and how to sort of be on the left and the right brain side of the music business. Um, So that was my that was my huge passion when I got when I finished school in New York. I worked in the record companies and I was immersed, fully immersed in the jazz scene in New York City every night. Till five six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: Did you uh, did you enjoy yeah. uh, uh, working there with a for that kind of music stuff?
0: Oh yeah, I mean that was a dream. My first day as an intern at Blue Note Records, I met Bruce Lundvall. <laughs> so wow, oh, wow, you're on LPs that I have in my house. You're that guy. <laughs> And Bobby Watson was sitting in in the guy's office that I was meeting with to to interview for the gig. And uh, so, yeah, insane. Just New York is the jazz mecca, and I was right there in it. And it was heaven. Yeah, truly.
1: So in October 2000, you you were diagnosed with cancer, and you battled it for three years, and you beat it. And then you became the founder of Bald is Beautiful. How did all that begin to start?
0: That well, that that's the nutshell you just said. I, sure. I uh, <laughs> in October two thousand, or actually the summer of that year, I had left uh, all that stuff about music business. Now I left the music business because I love music too much to work at a record company, um, and so I kind of decided to leave and figure out what else my music business life would look like. And a few months into that, uh, I had some stomach problems that turned out to be ovarian cancer. And going through that experience, of course, that was just an abrupt uh, life detour. And just all the different physical things and also the emotional things that come with it that happened, including losing hair, um, where I had long down the lower back. That was like my trademark hippie jazz chick hair. And now it's going to go away suddenly very quickly and forcing me to actually look at like, you know, all the emotions that came up around that and why am I having these feelings about my hair why am I so attached to my hair and and feeling frustrated that while I'm trying to fight for my life I have to worry about my hair to begin with and then uh, I had surgery and chemo and I came back during chemo and a couple more surgeries I was trying to hold on to a part of my left ovary because it's still fully functional even with just um, a cuticles worth of tissue and I didn't want to be in menopause at 29 so I was uh, thinking all these different questions around femininity and womanhood and what makes me a woman and the hair and then the ovaries and if I can't reproduce, you know, biologically in a textbook, am I still a woman? You know, all these questions came up that while I'm fighting to survive, I have to now feel all this other stuff around my, my physical being. And I decided I really wanted to do something about that. And, I've met, and I met a lot of other women who had a harder time with all of those things than the fact that they had cancer at all. And I just thought, you know, there's got to be some way that we can societally uh, support women in a visual way that so that we're not just – everything we see around us is all these – what become negative examples of what we don't have, you know which is kind of the thrust of advertising in general, right? With, your life yeah. is incomplete without this product or whatever. But I wanted to put something out there that was positive, like, hey, you're going through this difficult thing and, and having something associated with it that's positive, like, oh, I'll look like that model in the magazine or that woman on that TV show. And, and that's kind of a simplified version or explanation of what my, the spark in my brain was of putting an image out there that, where I could see myself. I didn't see myself in anything out there, even specifically movies and TV shows about cancer. The person was always kind of gray pallid and wearing a, an ill-fitting scarf or a, a wig that didn't look good. And it just looked, you know, it was depressing, yeah. frankly. And I just thought, you know, even if they're going to portray cancer, can't we put someone like that that looks like who I am out there to say this is an option, too? You can you know stand tall and be proud and not necessarily cover up if and if you're going to cover up have fun with it and be stylish still you know so that was kind of all of those things kind of happening at the same time where i was kind of like all right well when i finish with this ovarian cancer thing i'm going to do bald is beautiful and that's the longer version of where (laughs) that all started
1: (laughs) How, uh, how many people are in the organization
0: Oh, well, it's just me. One woman army of all the beautiful. I mean, wow. it, like, it's not like you join in membership. It's yeah. Or I guess you could also say it's millions of women strong yeah. because of the number of people who go through not only cancer, but also alopecia, for example, where hair loss is, is part of it. Um, and where, where the images that we're given in society don't uh, match up necessarily with what we're going through and so it's um it's it's just me and whoever else wants to kind of wear that mantle and be uh, bald and proud and yeah. you know
1: <laughs> how 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 did the battle and victory over cancer change your life
0: um well first of all uh, as you alluded to earlier in the interview, I was not at all interested in acting or anything in yeah. front of the camera. In fact, I was very much behind the scenes. I wore all black baggy men's clothes. I had my long hair. I was sort of kicking butt from behind the scenes and promoting other people to into the limelight. And so being sort of on the other side of that now and... Uh, finding myself in a totally different way, embracing my femininity and my womanhood in a way that I hadn't before, finding it and embracing it in a in a deeper, more profound way, and then starting to do acting, which was the furthest possible thing from my mind. I mean, my like I said, my twin sister Elisa has been doing it for years, and. That was always, you know, that was sort of that twin yin yang thing. Like I'm the introvert, she's the extrovert. I'm doing this kind of behind the scenes, but you know, kicking butt marketing person, and she's, uh, you know, out there on the stages, you know, performing and being out there. And suddenly, I'm entering that world, her world, really. And as twins, that was an interesting journey as well. And she actually was. She gave me my first acting gig. Technically, she put together a, a collective of women and did a, a an ensemble piece called Off the Muff which was her uh, theatrical response to the vagina monologues. Oh, wow. And uh, I was in the midst of chemo and writing, doing a lot of journaling about my ovaries, and she invited me to be a part of the group to share about my ovaries and my journey with my ovaries. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was an extraordinary experience. Very cathartic and terrifying. <laughs> I uh, white knuckled it through the whole first performance. I was sitting on, we did it at a lounge, actually, not a traditional theater. And it was, everyone was sitting in different places, and the audience was mixed in with us, and I was sitting on top of a bar, and someone else was standing on a table across the room, and we kind of ricocheted throughout the room with our monologues first person, present tense monologues. And um, I kind of got the bug a little bit then, like I felt. I was, I was, you know, really frightened throughout the whole thing, but I got through it and then, but I felt good. And my sister encouraged me, you know, she would have said, you know, hey, you know, go back to your day job, you know, something, <laughs> but, um, she said, no, you've got, you've got something, you should do it. You should absolutely do it. And especially cause it's part of something really important you believe in. So she really gave me that extra monozygotian you know, approval button, like do it, push, you know, <laughs> did you, uh,
1: did you take any acting classes after that?
0: That's what, So I started doing – immediately I kind of dove in. I mean, I took okay. some pictures. I had a mission statement. So I had like a black and white – back when we still had black and white headshots. And a mission statement slapped on the back and started pounding the pavement. And, and I did a couple theater things. I didn't actually take classes while I was still out in New York. I started doing that when I when I came out to L.A. I did, I did a few things in New York, some stage stuff, and also I got my SAG card through – some work I did on two two episodes of Sex and the City, which were amazing, and then one was a Third Watch TV oh, show,
1: wow.
0: Wow. <laughs> and yeah, another one was a really small indie movie. They got they gave me a waiver because they, I was a female uh, Hare Krishna, <laughs> so I had the shaved head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. So how did you, so how did you end up getting the role of a Sora and a Captain Marvel? Um, that is just
0: divine. And wonderful, uh, (laughs) I don't want to say luck, because it's just, I've been really going at this since 2002 is when I really started doing this, pursuing this. And um, I've been out there, I've been in classes, I take all kinds of different workshops and auditioning. And this was, uh, I don't want to say just another audition, but this was an audition. I got the audition, I went in there, and I, um, I guess I nailed it or nailed it enough to get a director's session, and, you know, we had a great vibe together, and, uh, you know, I was given the role, and wow.
1: so, uh, very happily, very... I know, I know you mentioned that yeah. when you were, you were, you were young you, uh, you read comic books and stuff like that, so I assume you were a huge yeah. fan of superhero movies.
0: Huge. Marvel in particular, actually. Yeah. I'm a Marvel fan. You know, so, if we had to say Marvel versus DC, I'm definitely in the Marvel camp.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who are some of your favorite characters uh, that you enjoyed reading? I
0: always... I loved X Men and Silver Surfer for whatever weird. I think I think because of maybe it's the Florida thing. I don't know. the whole, The whole idea of just you know surfing through through the skies was just awesome to me. Um, and also, I'm a huge fan of Incredible Hulk. And I loved the cartoon. And also, I, I had a little bit of a crush on Bill Bixby, so I liked the TV show too. So those would have to be. And I love Spider Man too. Mm. Comics and Cartoon, like all of them, yeah. but we were also like Looney Tune heads. We we're total Warner Brothers Looney Tune heads, completely. <laughs> Still, you know, of course. So, um, but so, those are those would be my Marvel feet.
1: So, when you got the call that you got the part in in the movie, like, what was your reaction like? Could you believe it? <laughs> like,
0: no, actually, I literally could not believe it. I kept asking my manager, Kat. I kept saying, "Is this real? Is this real? It's not going away." I she, I, she had to really. We spent like about a half hour on the sh- on the phone her, with her assuring me that this was. <laughs> Not like putting it like you're on hold for it and they could decide in a week. And she's like, no, no, you booked it. It's yours. And it took about a half hour of convincing. <laughs> uh, and I was actually, I was in the gym. I had just worked out. So I was in the gym all by myself, thankfully, because I was pacing back and forth, laughing, crying. I was having a total emotional release of, I don't know, all of it coming. on. I was just overjoyed.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you play Sorin. How would you describe her? What is she like? Soren is, um, she's a very strong
0: woman and patient. And she also is very committed to the well being of uh, her community and um, loves deeply, loves deeply.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So, how, so, how did you prepare for the role?
0: Um, uh, I was given. a pretty limited amount of information in terms of what the scenario was and what I was going to be doing. And of course, as you probably have heard over the years, they're very specific. Like they don't get, I never saw the whole script. I only saw the pages that I was working on. So um, I, I thought about in terms of the scenario and I don't, I, there's, it's hard. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but it's basically based on what the scenario was. I, had, I sort of had to connect with what it might feel like to, not know if someone is alive or dead that you care about and uh, and to be separated from that person and not know what's going to happen to you. So I guess my cancer experience in a lot of ways informed, you know, the uncertainty of things and the fickleness of life and the fleeting nature of it. And so fighting for it and, you know, so survival, she's a survivor too. Um, so just having all that passion and and survival instincts and, and, compassion and also wanting to learn from the situation and how can I um you know transcend my circumstances so a lot of my cancer journey actually was very much infused into what I brought to to Soren in in the role and of course I just would depend then on the directors if I was doing executing their vision and if they had something a different direction I would I would just follow that but I brought all that with me to the set
1: Hmm. so uh how when you were filming your scenes, how long did it take you to put on like all your makeup and things like that to prepare for your scenes? The,
0: the makeup was about two hours. Wow. We got it down to I think by the end it was an hour and a half, and it was the two Chris and Mike were the main two my my guys, my makeup guys, and we we bonded very quickly. It was it was pretty awesome. Um, and there was another woman named Carly who subbed in on uh, we shot in Baton Rouge some some of the time, and she was there for that. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, just two hours. It wasn't as difficult as I, kind of, I, I'd never done anything like this before. So even two hours seems long, but it kind of flew by cause we, we had
1: a lot of fun. Mm. <laughs> so, so how would you describe your, uh, your experience of filming Captain Marvel?
0: Extraordinary. Just dream come true. I, I was over the moon every single time. You know, even sometimes the makeup guy, oh, you're going to get tired of us by the second or third time. And I came in ear-to-ear grin, like, all right, guys, let's do this, you know. Um, And everyone on set was extremely warm and wonderful to work with. Everyone from the lens text to the makeup to then, uh, you know, Bree and Ben Mendelsohn, who's my husband, um, Talos and Sam Jackson and just everybody was just a blast to work with and you know it's in a situation where for me again this is the biggest thing i i had done although i mean i worked with william h macy and on on shameless and who's also just a i'm a huge fan so you know walking into that situation am i going to be intimidated i don't know but just when you get on set everybody's just there to work and tell story and that's that's how it was here and and ryan uh anna Bowden and ryan fleck were the directors were just amazing to work with so the whole environment on the set was very warm, and I feel like everyone on there was probably a Marvel fan, too. I don't know. It just – it was it – was, the energy was very positive and supportive, and, yeah, it just – it was great.
1: Do you uh do you have any – do you have, like, a funny story that happened on the set while filming uh, Captain Marvel?
0: Um Yeah, actually, I, I just, as soon as you said it, the first thing that popped in my mind, because this came up later, now that the movie's been out and people have seen it, they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that was you – I had fantasies of, I just wanted to be in full garb and just go like grocery shopping. Like just, you know, you know, that scenario where there's the, the elevator music playing and I'm just standing on the line at the grocery store, even yeah. full makeup, you know, and just it's like, because, um, before the scrolls were even announced, they didn't want anyone to, to even see us. So on set when we were, if we had to move between sound stages or somewhere, um, we had these capes that we wore and with a hood and everything, they just, you know so anyone on the lot who wasn't involved in the movie could not see what we looked like. And uh, there was one day where the bathroom I went to a, a bathroom that was off the sound stage that was a little further away. Um, and so you know the, the wardrobe person helps me get things off for to, it was like five layers of clothing so I couldn't actually do it myself. And then I go in the bathroom and then I get part of it on and I'm sort of adjusting myself and I and I see movement. I'm in the mirror and I see the movement out of the side of my eye. And this other person who is not on our set walked into the bathroom and we locked eyes for what felt like five seconds of just because the, the makeup looks so real. And yeah. she this woman is looking at me at the entranceway to the bathroom like, <laughs> where am I? And I look at her and, and I'm just I'm stunned, too, because I'm like, oh, my God, someone saw me. That's not good. And then and then I just bust out laughing and I like wave at her like hey <laughs> <laughs> and she just cracked up and then I left and I put on my cape and I was like oh my god that's hilarious and then I that's when I started having these ideas like God it would be great to just go do everyday stuff like drive and go to the DMV stand on the lawn you know like just <laughs> and great. record people's reactions like kind of deadpool style because I like he that, that's something he would do you know like just
1: yeah.
0: that would be <laughs> <laughs> so fun
1: so so you've been in the acting world for a few years now. What's one advice, yeah. what's some advice that you give to somebody that comes up to you and say, you know what, I want to get into, I want to get into acting.
0: Um, just one God, there's so much I would say. That person. um, I would, the begin. the first thing I would actually say is just to be very clear about why they want to do acting. Like, Making sure that it's not, I mean, people want to be famous and do that sort of thing. And if that's the goal, I mean, they're free to pursue it just to do that. But I feel like there's so much no in the in the industry. There's so many things that 99.9% of us actors go through that if you're not really fully committed to do what it is that actors do, which is telling story and um, exploring different facets of emotional life that. Humanity goes through and conveying that. If you're not, if you don't have that kind of part of what's going on, if you just want to be famous, the amount of no's could be devastating. You know, and, and it, it it can be anyway, even if you know exactly why you want to be an actor. So I would say definitely coming from a grounded as grounded a place as you can, as far as why you're doing it, because it takes a lot of fortitude and tenacity to continue to do it and passion for what you're doing, and that's true of any career path, really anything is just really be committed to the nature of it of what it is you're doing and why you're doing it and and having a sense of purpose about it. I think people who don't have a sense of life purpose in general can can find any pursuit really challenging, so I think having a sense of purpose is important yeah. and I, the other thing I would say is just to study 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 yeah. you know and not not in the traditional necessarily like oh Meisner this or that you know I didn't do all that i you know because i came into it much later not to say those things aren't valuable but anything that is it's sort of like a gym it's like going to the gym so anything that works out those muscles where you discover new things and open new channels and anything that gives you that sort of practice at something where it's not uh um not just something you just kind of put little thought in you want to put as thought. The same kind of thought you put and care you put into any pursuit, including your own health, for example, and working out and other things, it's, it's that same kind of con- commitment and consistency and practice.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Now, you said study, study, yeah. study. Was there a, like a certain actress or actor that had an influence on you and then you, you, know, you went back and you watched their work?
0: Um, I didn't like chalk talk. Yeah, let's go back and watch every Meryl yeah. Streep and Viola Davis and Angela Bassett movie ever done. And uh, there's so many different actors that that inspire me in different ways for their quote unquote craft. You know, like an actress, for example, like Mila Jovovich, I've always admired her because she takes really bold and edgy roles that are so interesting. Like Fifth Element is one of my favorite all time movies ever. And that's one of the first things I ever knew. I didn't know her as a model before that. I only knew her from from that movie first. And all these other things that she's done after that just always are really, I don't want to say risky, but they're, they're edgy and they're different. And she puts, but she infuses so much emotion and vulnerability and into whatever she's doing that it just brings it to life in new ways. And it just, it's, it's always about telling a story and the same goes for everyone that anyone would ever say, of course, Meryl Streep and and other actors like Mm -hmm. that. But there's so many, uh, there's so many, there's too many to name, but I, I definitely in terms of what the final result is and it's stuff that I look at in movies that I watch, you know, if I see someone acting, if if I literally, if I see the acting, then I'm like, Oh, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like being truthful and authentic in in every moment Mm -hmm. that, then we don't see any acting then we're just we're in the story with that person and Mm. those people
1: do you have a do you have a dream role that you want to play someday or do you think captain marvel in being in that movie was the dream role
0: uh well that's one kind of dream role i would like to definitely do something of a different nature where i'm like maybe human (laughs) 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 where i'm not so green it's not easy being green but uh (laughs) I I would yes there I don't know if it's if it's a role in particular but it, you know anything that is part of you know there's so many great uh, women helms production companies and studios that uh, that are production companies sorry that are doing these like there's these limited series um, you know uh, like a Big Little Lies and and Sinner that was on and True Detective and and then there's Black Mirror there's so much great storytelling actually going on so. I love digging into a rich, nuanced, layered role that I can just really sink my emotional teeth into and explore. So it's not like a particular role or show. I mean, I named some shows, but like, no. I, yeah, I really want to explore something that's really, you know, um, w- would give me a lot to work with and play with. Hmm. Yeah. And tell a so, great
1: uh, story. So what's next for you for 2019?
0: to us and can you believe we're almost halfway through? <laughs>
1: I know, I know.
0: It's insane to me to think that. Um, nothing I can say in detail now, but I'm just—it's sort of like you know, this sort of this thing where people that "Oh, you've done a Marvel movie now. You're just—you're—you're going to be in everything now." Um, Auditioning and continuing with my classes, and uh, yeah, seeing what happens—it's sort of unfolding as we speak. There
1: you <laughs> So, uh, lastly, how can the listeners find you on social media?
0: On social media, on Instagram, I am at bald.is.beautiful beautiful, and there's also a Bald Is Beautiful Facebook group. So it's it's Facebook.com/slash Bald Is Beautiful blog, and. Twitter is at Sharon Blinn. I'm not so much on Twitter, but I, when I, if I post on Instagram, I automatically link it to Twitter, so it's there. But so I guess Instagram would be the main
1: All way and right. the Facebook page. Yeah. I want to thank you for coming on, Sharon, and the <laughs> website,
0: of course, the bald, beautiful dot org is my website, and well, of that's course. Um, of course there for everyone, uh, and it's there for inspiration, information, resource, a laugh or two, hopefully, and anyone who sees the website and thinks know someone who might need that website, and the stories that I share and the resources, um, that's what I encourage people to do with with the actual website is to share it uh, with anyone they think could use it.
1: All right. Thank you, Sharon. This was great. Thank you for coming on.
0: Thank you, man.